With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Tommy Stokey. You are listening to the Stokey on Podcast. I will have John Heyman joining me shortly. Uh, it is November 18th, a Friday we are recording. The big news going around and what the big news is going to be all off season is Chris Sale and whether or not the White Sox are going to trade him. I wrote this week that ultimately comes down to whether or not the White Sox will let their general manager, Rick Hahn, do his job. It's not a secret in the industry that he has been wanting to sell, wanting to, to blow this thing up and start fresh. Um, he's made some good draft choices, Tim Anderson, uh, Carson Fulmer, Zach Collins, just to name a few, but he wants to, to rebuild, and they've been stuck in the middle for a long time, and you know, it, does no, it does nobody any good to, to win 80 games, win 84 games, or 78 games every year, and that's kind of where they're at. The interesting name that keeps coming up in trade talks with them is the Atlanta Braves. Uh, first reported by John Heyman that they were interested, very interested, and that the White Sox are seemingly serious about moving in this time. I don't think, A, that the Braves are a match because word is that the White Sox want to build around hitters and they want to get hitters back. That's not in the Braves' farm system. They've got a couple okay pieces um, but outside of Dansby Swanson, you're not getting a, a top-tier guy from them. But the bigger issue here to me is that I just don't think the Braves are ready for him. They still have holes offensively. There are still questions about the rotation. I know that you signed R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon. You kind of know what to expect from them. You hope to get a lot of innings. Um, but are they going to start a playoff game for you? Is that how, how you're going to look at it? I'm not so sure got Julio Tehran, you have Mike Fulton-Evitz, if you throw a Chris Sale in there, yeah, they're better, but I just don't see them being a playoff team in 2017. Maybe they can be one in 2018, and you're obviously a lot closer in 2019, but are you going to give up so much of your future and what you've been building for three years of Chris Sale, no matter how cheap he is, when you might only turn that into one playoff appearance at best, probably two? Um, I know you're moving into a new stadium, but as Dave Cameron pointed out on Fangraphs today, did a really nice job of it, don't be the Diamondbacks. Don't speed up your process and accelerate your time clock here by going out and making this win-now move. There are so many other variables on that team and what you're expecting out of Matt Kemp, Nick Marcakis, uh, Adonis Garcia at third base. Who's your second baseman? What are your expectations for Dansby Swanson next year? Not everybody's Chris Bryant where they just make it look easy. Uh, Dansby can be very good, and I think he will be very good. But is he going to hit 300 next year? I don't think so. Who's their catcher? Is it Tyler Flowers? Do they get a Jason Castro uh, to platoon with him? Who's that going to be? So I just see too many questions here um, 
for the Braves to make a move like this for Chris Sale. I think that if there's anybody that knows the Diamondbacks' mistakes better than anyone, it's the Braves because they were able to exploit that to get Aaron Blair, Danzy Swanson, and Duran Ciarte for Sheldon Miller. Maybe it's ownership making a push to get into a new stadium um, as they get into a new stadium to put a winner on the field, but general manager John Cavallella has said multiple times that they want to develop their own aces. He can do that. That fits with their time of the rest of their team. He doesn't have to give up prospects and money to get somebody now that, again, you might get two playoff appearances. One, I think, is the most realistic, optimistic view. I don't see them accelerating their clock. I don't think it makes sense for them. If you want to talk about a Chris Archer, I think that's a little bit different. He's got five years left on his deal. Chris Sale only has three. I think you're going to get more playoff appearances out of that five, even if Archer isn't Chris Sale. Um, you know, Whether or not it happens, obviously we don't know. How serious are they? Don't know that necessarily either. Um, they have to do their homework. They have to explore it. Ultimately, I don't see them moving up their clock. I don't see them being a fit. I think the White Sox are going to be able to get a better package for what they're looking for elsewhere. Um, and ultimately, that'll be the best for the Braves moving forward. So with that, we will go ahead and bring in John Heyman and get to his rankings and his thoughts there. All right, John, I want to get right into it. We have your free agent rankings and your best prediction at contracts. Um, at Andrew Kashner is going to get $10 million. I believe you had six or seven, so that's not too bad. Uh, Josh Reddick made a lot more than you thought, and I think that a lot of us thought. Um, what's the feedback that you're getting so far uh, on what you got out there? Uh, you know, not too bad. I get good feedback. My predictions haven't been great, but uh, I haven't heard that many complaints to this point. Uh, I'm pretty pleased about that. Uh, Kashner, I should have been right. $10 million is too much money for him. Same with Reddick, $52 million too much. I don't know. Houston likes to overpay for whatever reason. I think they don't uh, negotiate very well. That's just my opinion, but uh, we will see. Did you hear any other interest in Reddick that would have driven his price up that much? I mean, to me, at least what he showed last year, is I don't know that he's much more than a platoon player. I don't know that he can hit a left-hander. Right. Uh, he had struggled. Uh, he struggled with the Dodgers. Um, they didn't think that much of him. Obviously, he didn't perform that well for them. He's a good guy, uh, strong defensively. Overall, wasn't as good last year as the previous couple of years, but a uh, decent defender. But I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, very good against right-handed pitching, but uh, not great against lefties. Um, I do think Toronto probably was interested. Uh, lefty bat, that's kind of what they're looking for. I'm sure there was a market for him. I can't imagine there was only one team. Uh, it's a pretty good player, but I'm with you. Way over, in my mind, $52 million. Who on your list were the toughest ones to, to predict? You know, I think Trumbo is. A, uh, uh, I think Trumbo's a tough one. I'm not sure. He's got the qualifying offer. I, I kind of stuck with where I where I was uh, a couple months ago, which was 15 million a year for three years. That was a tough one for me. Uh, both Baltimore guys, Weers, I I struggled with. Uh, I came up with him to uh, around 50 million for four years, uh, basically based on the fact that Wilson Ramos no longer. Uh, able to catch at least at the beginning of next year. Uh, Ramos was going to be the top catcher. Uh, now it is Weeders, so he's got that going for him. Plus, he does not have the qualifying offer. So two big pluses there for Weeders could bring him up. Uh, he could be 
he could be anywhere, really. I mean, I you know, I hear his camp talking about uh, McCann, eighty-five million, and Martin, eighty-two million, and how Weeders is better, uh, and he does not have that qualifying offer. But uh, uh, Weeders uh, not had a great year last year. He was healthier last year than the year before. Um, so I kind of played it kind of in the middle with fifty million. I think some people think that's over. His camp probably thinks that's, thinks that's under. You know, the other one that was tough for me, Carlos Gomez, really terrible for most of last year. Um, had a little bit of issue with his um, prescription glasses, threw him away, uh, played much better for Texas. Uh, they kind of like him. Uh, you know, I could see him getting one year for $8 million, or I could see him getting a long deal. Uh, I kind of played that one safe and in the middle of when I believe I had $25 million for him as well. So, uh, you know, there, there's going to be some that are going to be way off, more off than Redick even, but uh, I did the best I could. Uh, Yelena Cespedes is number one. You've got him for $110 million, four years. Do you think this is going to take a while? Um, do you think how many teams do you see getting involved? Where do you see this one going? Is this going to be, be something that takes even past the winter meetings or maybe uh, happens pretty quick? Because the Mets seem to think that they're going to have to wait a while. Yeah, I think uh, most of these big guys uh, wait a while. I know Bernie Williams signed back with the Yankees, and that seemed like it took a while. And that, that was, I'm going back many, many, many years, 1998 now. Uh, signed somewhere around Thanksgiving. I, I think uh, Torrey Hunter signed a big Angels deal, something around 80, 80 million or 85 million or 90 million, maybe it was, um, right around Thanksgiving. I, I think that's rare, uh, especially with a guy like Cespedes, where there's some huge pluses, and then uh, their perception of some knocks. I, I don't see those. I like the guy. I think he's a really good player. Uh, you know, you've got some big market teams involved, but uh, the way things go today, uh, teams like to see what's out there, to see what they have to pay. Uh, I think there are teams that are afraid of doing that Kevin Brown deal of $105 million and then getting knocked for it the next decade. Oh, you paid way too much. The next best offer was $70 million or whatever it was. Uh, we don't always know what the next best offer is, but uh, if, you, if you really go out there quickly and, and go high, you may end up overpaying. The Mets are not a team generally to do that. Um, I think the Dodgers could be in the mix here. They get a lot of a lot of stuff working there. What they're going to do? They got to figure out what to do at closer at third base. They want to do one right-handed bat. The starting pitching is an issue. Uh, San Francisco is a possibility. Yankees uh, may be a possibility for Cespedes, and we mentioned that early, but. I, I do think that's probably a long shot, but interesting nonetheless. And Washington was a team last year uh, that looked at Cespedes, and they could move Trey Turner to shortstop and uh, make that work if they want to do it. But they've got other questions as well. They've got to figure out what to do uh, at closer, and uh, they've got to see about catcher. Uh, they may go young, but uh, they may not. So, uh, you know, these teams that are in the mix, they have a lot of issues. They have a lot of things on their plate, and that's a big deal, and usually those big deals take a while. Number two on your list, Edwin Encarnacion. Number nine on your list, Jose Batista, two Blue Jays. doesn't sound like either one is going to return. Can the Blue Jays win this way? Can they win by cutting back on what they're paying these big guys, but also does that fit the window of what they have right now? Uh, they can win. I think they have a lot of talent on that team. They have more young talent than we know about. Maybe not uh, quantity, but they do have quality. I do think Strowman's better than he showed last year. Sanchez, very good pitcher. Uh, Devin Travis, booked to be a hitter. Pilar, terrific uh, defensively. Obviously, we know what Donaldson is at 
uh, third base. And, of course, they've got Martin and Tulo. So they've, they've got a good team. Uh, they have a really good team. Uh, but they have excited the fan base, and part of that was all those home runs in that park that allows all those home runs. And uh, Encarnacion and Bautista have been big parts of that. Obviously, they have signed a Morales that certainly takes one of them out of the equation. They do not really seem engaged at all with Bautista. They seem like they want the draft choice there. Seems to be a switch from a year ago when Bautista was the preferred player. Now Encarnacion is the preferred player. Um, you know, I, it's possible they would do the deal that they put on the table a couple of weeks ago, that they would still do that for Encarnacion. But, uh, you know, they have a DH now. They'd have to make him the first baseman, and they'd have to figure out what to do with Smoke. I wouldn't rule it out entirely if he took the deal. Uh, I, you know, I don't know that he's going to do that right away. I mean, he had a huge year, and uh, I think uh, we'll see about Houston. I think that's probably less likely now with what they've done. Uh, Texas uh, Yankees looking at a right-handed bat. Uh, you know there there are a lot of possibilities for Encarnacion. So uh, I, I think it's unlikely with Toronto. Not ruling out, but unlikely. Three closers in your top ten: Mark Melanson, Aroldis Chapman, Kenley Jansen. It it's being billed as this big three, but Melanson is clearly at least a tier below the other two. If you're him, do you? get out there first and say, okay, well, while these two guys are messing around for huge money, I'll take a little bit less and get signed right away? Or do you think that Melanson should wait and see what happens with Jansen and Chapman and go from there? Well, if it's me, I just jump at the money. I mean, I don't have the patience to wait, but I, everybody's got a different personality. I, I think there are going to be teams willing to put numbers out there early for him. And, uh, you know, perhaps if he waited, he might be able to squeeze a little bit more out of teams. But, uh, I think there are teams kind of thinking they're not going to be in play for, for Chapman. Chapman's going to be huge. Uh, and uh, Jansen will be too, frankly. Um, you know, there are several big market teams looking for closers. So there is a spot for all of them. So he doesn't have to jump out quickly. I mean, that was just my thinking, my personality. But you, you've got the Yankees. You've got the Cubs. You've got the Dodgers. You've got the Giants. You've got the Nats. Uh, that's a lot of teams looking for closers. The Mets do now have a question with familiar, but boy, I've never seen this many big market teams looking for closers, and uh, fortunately for those teams, there are three great ones out there, three of the best in the game, so uh, as I said, Melanson, I would might jump, but there's probably a percentage in him waiting, because uh, there are plenty of chairs for these guys to fill. What's your sense on the Cubs filling that, that bullpen need? Are they comfortable with a, a C.J. Edwards, a Carl Edwards Jr., um, a Hector Rondon, are they going to pay big money for one of these big three? What's your sense there? My sense there is they're not going to pay for the, one of the big three. And they're, in my sense, is I'd be shocked if they brought Chapman back. I, obviously, he did help them win the World Series. Um, I, I think that uh, he likes the one-inning thing. I don't know that anybody's going to give him the one-inning thing if you get down to the seventh game of the World Series or the sixth game of the World Series. So I don't know if he's going to find it any different anywhere else, but... Uh, I, I think that uh, the Cubs are also unlikely to uh, play with the dollars that the Dodgers or the Yankees might do uh, for a closer. Um, you know, I, I could see Jansen going back to the Dodgers. They could go somewhere else, but uh, they have the money to do it. I see Chapman potentially uh, with the Yankees. I do think the Cubs uh, probably need to do something. Uh, they thought so last year. They paid strong to get Chapman. It did pay off for them. Uh, they could play for half a year with what they have and survive and be pretty good. But 
I mean, I see them doing something uh, with the closing job, whether that be to trade for Wade Davis or to sign Holland, who they did scout, uh, something more cost-efficient than going out and spending $80, $90 million on a closer. Rich Hill, number 10, uh, Ivan Nova, number 12. Do you think that one of these guys signs a big deal first, or do you think we see a big-name starting pitcher traded first? Um, you know, uh, timing is always a tough one. You just don't, unless you're involved in the talks, it's hard, it's hard to know. Uh, I will be surprised if Sale is traded quickly. I do know the Braves and the Nats and many other teams are very, very interested in him, understandably, $38 million to go, one of the best two or three pitchers in the game, still under 30 years old. Uh, I think teams are going to try to look at, at the, these type of players first, the players in trade, whether that be Sale or Archer or Sonny Gray or whomever they could get in trade. They're better than any of the free agents. Uh, so, uh, I mean, they're better than, right, better than any of the, the free agents at this point. That is a very weak free agent market. So I think those trades will be investigated first. Whether someone pulls it off first, I'm not so sure about that. That That's a big ticket right there. Is any of those guys, I mean, Tampa, uh, I, they, they are very cautious uh, for a team that needs to really take some chances. I'm not so sure they'll go quickly with, with Archer. Uh, Gray, uh, I think it's a tough time to trade him. Uh, you're, tra- you're selling low now. I don't think that's Oakland's MO, but they'll look at it, I, I'm sure. Uh, and sale, I think it's going to take a while to get what they want. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see a free agent signing ahead of that. Um, I mean, Ivan Nova, if you're Ivan Nova and someone gives you four years, uh, you may jump at that. Uh, he obviously did well with Pittsburgh, was spottier with the Yankees, and, uh, you know, he, he may, he, he sounds like he already has some three year offers that are pretty good. So he may not be that far away from signing somewhere. How much action do you think there will be on the trade market for the starting pitchers? I know that you've got a handful in Tampa, Chris Archer included. Sonny Gray is a name out there, Chris Sale. If I set an over-under at two and a half, which way are you going for a number of, of bigger names that get moved starting pitcher-wise? Uh, I'll go over if you count Goose Smiley or somebody of that ilk as a, as a big name. Uh, you know, obviously he's not in the category of uh, Archer or Gray or certainly or a Sale. Um, but, you know, I, I think that teams that have, uh, at least in their mind, excess of starting pitching are going to take advantage of this really terrible uh, free agent starting pitching market that we haven't seen uh, the likes of this before, where you have basically uh, Hill is the only one who really could be considered a top-of-the-rotation starter. He's a guy, I think he's only thrown more than 120 innings once in his career and doesn't even have 600 innings, and he's 36 years old. So, I mean, that's the cream of the crop at this point uh, with a lot of uh, health questions and fragility questions, uh, you know, and you've got Nova, you've got Hamill, those are really, you know, best case, uh, number three type starters, uh, maybe number four, uh, there really isn't much on that free agent market. So I, I think teams are going to look to take advantage of other teams if they've got a decent starter to trade and do it, and I do think the White Sox better do something. At this point, uh, they've been trading water, they've been play in the middle for too long, and uh, it's time to really uh, do something drastic, and that would be a trade of sale. And I certainly agree with that. When you look at the Braves, I talked about this earlier because I don't think the Braves are ready for Chris Sale. Um, I think that they might be making a mistake similar to what the Diamondbacks did in trying to accelerate that process. I think a Chris Archer would make a lot more sense because you have him for five years versus three. 
Do you think the Braves are ready for a Chris Sale? You know, I think they love Chris Sale. I think that's the guy that they love. You know, sometimes uh, the timing doesn't line up perfectly. He is under 30. They are moving into a new park. They do want to make a splash. That's the guy they love. That's the guy they've always loved. And they do have the prospects, I do believe. Uh, the interesting to see if they in, would insist on uh, the White Sox, I mean, would insist on Swanson, uh, clearly their best young player. I, I'm assuming Freeman stays. So, uh, that's their best chip, but uh, Tim Anderson, the White Sox do have a shortstop. Uh, I wonder. Uh, the Braves have 10 pitching prospects that have a chance, but uh, uh, I'm not sure you're going to be able to uh, make a deal out of them without Swanson. They do have uh, some positional prospects. Uh, they've got Rio Ruiz and Riley. I've got third baseman. They've got some shortstops. Um, they might be able to do it, but uh, if you're the White Sox, you might, you might insist on Dan B. Swanson, and that could be a deal-breaker. Is there somebody that you look at in your rankings here that you think is going to be a, a steal for a team, free agent-wise? Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I think Wilson Ramos could be at this point. I mean, he was going to shoot for $100 million, and I think I have him going around $20 million now. I understand he's not going to be ready in April, might not be ready in May, might not be ready to catch. June, we'll see. Uh, you get him on a two-year deal, you know, you, you're going to get a guy who's going to be a really good hitter for a year and a half. Um, I thought Houston lined up as a potential team. Uh, we'll see who does. But uh, this guy really, really emerged as a hitter last year. And before we let you go, which team do you see being the busiest from now until the start of the season, whether that's a, a Detroit and possibly selling, whether it's a team – adding um who's gonna who's gonna be making the most headlines from from here on out yeah i think the dodgers ultimately will they have all those free agents who are really good obviously they lost reddick they weren't going to play for him they need right-handed bats they need starting pitching they need to figure out third base they need to figure out closer they've got the money they've got the brain power uh they got a lot going on i mean detroit's certainly going to listen on a lot of players and they could make a big splash if they were really to consider trading verlander or Cabrera, more likely they trade J.D. Martinez a year away from free agency. Maybe a Kinsler, maybe uh, they're interesting. Obviously, the White Sox are interesting with, with Sale. But uh, to me, the Dodgers uh, will be making a lot of big moves. They have to. They have the money. They have the smarts. And uh, they'll be an interesting team to keep an eye on. All right. Thanks, John. I appreciate your time as always. All right. Thanks, Tommy. That was John Heyman. Um, you can check out his rankings at fanragsports.com. He's got 56, 55, and 56 in total. He has a tie for 55th between Fernando Rodney and Luis Valbuena, both one-year, $5 million guys. Um, notes throughout that, you know, Marlins' top target being Kenley Jansen. Will they build a, a super team? Um, but, you know, I want to end this with one team that I think won't make a ton of headlines as opposed to what they did last year, Chicago Cubs. But one interesting player that they have is Javier Baez, and what do they do with him? And that's been a question really ever since he started. He had that five- or six-game tear in the playoffs. I mean, he made a huge splash. Everyone all of a sudden wants to clear room on the roster to make sure that he plays every day. He has to be your everyday second baseman. Seems a little bit crazy considering how we all feel about sample sizes, and we need to see X amount from somebody uh, before we want to make a decision like that. But 
also, to be fair, Javier Baez played really well in his role last year. Is he going to be the everyday starting second baseman? Do you sell high on him and trade him for a starting pitcher? Uh, do you keep him in the role that you had him before and move him around, play him at short, play him at second, play him at third, consider the outfield? Ultimately, I think that that's what happens. I don't think they change anything with him. I think you want to keep Ben Zobrist at second base uh, for the majority of the season. I think that's what Ben Zobrist wants to do and what he kind of signed up for. Um, ultimately, I think the Cubs are better when they're able to use Baez as that utility player. So do they play him every day? Do they trade him? Do they keep him? I don't think he'll be the everyday second baseman for the Cubs next year, and I will explain that today at FanRag Sports. So thanks to John Heyman. Check us out, FanRag Sports. You can listen on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, Stokey Tommy. And have a great day. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.